good night. Hello, cocktail lovers. Welcome to Paris Cocktail Talk, the show brought to you by the 52 Martinis Guide to Paris Cocktail Bars. I'm Forrest Collins, and I'm here to talk to you about cocktailing in the French capital and bring you other small batch spirits news from France and beyond. So, cocktails, we know they're global business. Um, they're in every capital city. When I started blogging about cocktails, you know, you'd find them in Paris and New York and London and over the years, over the past decades, you just that's naturally seeped out into other cities. So now you've got some really strong rivals in secondary cities in different states and in different countries that are kind of, you know, delivering at the same level as the capital cities, or even in some cases, putting them to shame. So you really find cocktails everywhere. Um, and it's really interesting to me to see how different cities and different regions approach their cocktails and, and develop their cocktail style. So this month, I've invited friends and fellow bloggers Mel and Anthony of Le Cocktail Connoisseur site into the studio to talk about how different cities are shaping their cocktail scene and what that might mean on a global scale when it comes to ranking bars and, and choosing which bars might be better than others. They started the blog because the two of them were traveling a lot. They would go around, have nice drinks, meet the bartenders that were making the drinks, and the Cocktail Connoisseur really highlights the bartenders who are making these drinks. So it's a nice it's a nice reference to go to and, and look at the people behind the creations. Um, and now they have a really new exciting project. We will we will talk about it later on in the show. So hang in there for that. So welcome guys. Nice to see you in the studio. Thank you. Thanks, Forrest. So can you first uh, tell the listeners if they don't already know who you are, and they they should if they don't, tell them a little bit more about yourselves and the inspiration behind behind the cocktail connoisseur. Okay, so I'm Mel. And that's Anthony, obviously. I'm Australian, as you can hear. He's French. Um, we actually met in a cocktail bar in Paris. And Which bar, can I ask? Yeah. That was the prescription. Ah, very good. Okay, anyway, go on, <laughs> go on. I just needed to paint the picture paint in my head. Yeah. Six years ago, nearly seven, okay. yeah, prescription. Great. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, after we'd been dating for a couple of years, we thought we should really do something with all the bars we're visiting. And we realised there wasn't really anyone covering the bartenders who make your time so special there. So we decided we'd start asking guys we knew, the bartenders that we regularly visited, if we could interview them, told them the plan. And so we started building up a library for six months and then we launched the blog. Yeah. So right now I think we have more than, well, 200, 220 interviews from bartenders from all around the world, from Sydney to Singapore or New York, everywhere around Europe and yeah, all around the world. Yeah, it's a, it's a great reference. Uh, you know, I looked at it and you've got some really good interviews and lots of well-known bartenders. So I think it's it's really interesting. I also really like your Instagram account. It's beautiful. Um, I don't know if one or the other is responsible for those gorgeous photos, but it's really nice. And listeners, I'm going to put links to to the blog and to their social media accounts. And, and I really highly recommend that you go and take a look because it's really pretty. Okay. Before we crack into these things on a more global scale, I know that, that you have both spent a lot of time in Paris and London, yeah. and you and I, Mel, have run into each other in bars, yeah. both randomly in Paris and London, which is kind of cool. So can you tell me if you have any general impressions on the differences between Paris cocktail style and London cocktail style? Okay, for me personally, um, if I was wanting to go out to a bar in the evening, definitely in London, top of my list would be hotel bars and that would not be the case at all in Paris. I just think there's such a difference in the standards of the bars in hotels 
in London and Paris. That's me personally. I agree for the um, for the hotel part as well. I think a few years ago when cocktails was coming back in Paris like 10, 12 years ago, there was a real difference between London and Paris. After that, I think that Paris was more or less at the same level. But I have the feeling that now for the last one year, one year and a half, again, London was kind of sleeping beauty. I think, oh, my God, something happening around the world. We are not. Well, we still are number one. That's what they think. We can discuss about that. But at least, yeah, we need to do something. There is South America. There is Asia. We, 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 need, we need to kick off. And now, again, there is more and more innovative stuff in London. That was the guy from Mick and Honey who was saying, like, to, um, last year for, uh, to um, a magazine, like, yeah, nothing new in London for the last 20 years. So why are we so proud? And I think, in a way, he was right. Paris now is proud, but need to understand as well that the game is uh, is going up and they have to run away as well. Yeah, I think that's true. And nice point on the uh, hotel bars because I've never really thought about it in those terms, but it's true. I mean, when I go to London, there's a lot of hotel bars that I regularly go to here. I will go check one out, but it's it's not as likely that I'm going there on an ongoing basis just for the cocktails or a yeah. night out. Um, what about New York? Mel, you and I talked a little bit about New York Um you know, are, are they kind of king of the cocktail scene? Are they, you know, kind of resting on their laurels like I think Paris and London might be a little bit? Look, we were there a year and a half ago now. Last November. Yeah. So okay. a year ago. Yeah, a year ago, sorry. Um, look, New York's always a special place for me. I love it. But it kind of is feeling a bit like New York. Uh, sorry, a bit like London and Paris for me. There's nothing amazing and new. Um They've always got great cocktail bars. You'll always go to your standards. And we really were upset we missed going to Katana Kitten last time. We really regret that. Um, but for us, Asia at the moment is just kicking everyone's butt. It seems to be. And, you know, I wonder just as we're talking about this, you know, there's a lot of kind of cross-pollinization. There's a lot of guest bartenders. Yeah. And between places like London, New York, Paris, there's a lot of you know, bartenders that move from one to the other in those cities that, you know, we've got people like um, Nico de Soto, who's got bars going on in, in New York. You know, you've got Remy of the Little Red Door, who's, you know, now artesian. And I and think he's coming, be, back, to he's coming back to Paris, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of wonder if it sort of comes together and, you know, these, these capital cities sort of now are becoming more like each other and just sort of neutralized because you've got a lot of the same People passing through all of them, I don't know, sharing the same ideas. I think what's interesting right now in, um, in Europe, for long, Athens was one of the top cities for, um, for Europe with, people, with guys like Clumsies. But you can see when you travel, most of the bartenders around the world are Italian and they have left Italy because the level regarding cocktail scene was not as good as it could have been. But now they have traveled, they have learned a lot. And they, many of them are coming back in their own country. And you can see in Milan, in Rome, but even in smaller um, cities like um, three, year, three years ago, we were in Ostuni. And so it's a small village, but there was a cracking bar there. And the guy was very good, Leonardo, in uh, what he does. So I think right now, Italy is growing very, very fast. You can see the same in Spain as well. Right now, the, the scene in Barcelona or Madrid. So, but the idea of coming back and changing the game, I think it's very true for um, for Italy more than any other countries. Interesting. Um, is there are there any other kind of secondary cities in, in France or Europe that you see that are kind of standing out as you know really kind of pulling up their game? Um, you know, I, I like the bars in Lyon, for example. It's, uh, but 
We have to go to Lyon. We've been very naughty on that front. Um, but we recently went to Bordeaux mm-hmm. and, oh, my God, Symbios. We just fell in love with that place. I think we went there three or four times and we were only there for three days. Yeah, because we mix food yeah. and drinks mm, and we yeah. love both. So that, that, that was the right combo. But no, I think right now you, have, you, you don't have to stay in the main city. You mm-hmm. can find smaller city. That's the case for Bordeaux, as we say in France. But... Well, even more in England, because in England, um, the cocktail roots is um, is deeper than any other countries in Europe. So you can go to Edinburgh. There is amazing cocktail Yeah, bars. they've got some great bars for great, sure. So, so, great bars. so that's a bit different. But let's say, I don't know, for instance, um, Belgium, where the cocktail scene is lower than other countries. You don't have only Brussels. You can see... Uh, in uh, Antwerp and other uh, cities like that, no, you have you have good cocktail, um, co- a good cocktail scene as well. And I think it's true in any country. If you spend a bit of time, you can see what they have launched in Greece in uh, Larissa, where they invite bartenders from all around Europe every year to share, to understand, to grow together in a very good uh, mindset. So yeah, I think it's true for every, for everywhere right now. Okay, well, let's talk about Asia. I know. Well, we were talking about Singapore before and how they're really starting to shine. So. Share some. Let's talk about Asia in general and Singapore. Start whichever one you want. Okay, so when we went specifically to look at all the bars, uh, first stop was Singapore. Then we did Hong Kong, uh, and that was it, wasn't it? The first time. Well, we did Vietnam, but let's be honest. I mean, we love Vietnam. They're not at the same level right now. Yeah, but Singapore doesn't. Didn't matter what bar we went into. Everyone had its own particular style, but everyone was at the top of their game, like the best hotel bar, the best dive bar, the best speakeasy. Like it didn't matter where we went, we were blown away by the drinks and it sort of sets you up because you come back and you go, oh, I want some more pandan or I want some more jelly-infused things and it really sort of sets a very high standard for the rest of the world. Like, And Hong Kong is very, very close now to Singapore. Singapore, we felt, was way above Hong Kong when we first went, but now Hong Kong's catching up. And we're really excited because next week we're off to uh, Bangkok, KL, and hopefully, fingers crossed, Taipei. Yeah, and they, you have, they have strong bar scene as well. Mm. And I can see right now, if you look at the um, cocktail rigs around the world, the one in Singapore is maybe one of the biggest. And when you discuss with bartenders, they went for the first time in Singapore. Mm-hmm. For instance, like, wow, we have never seen that. And that's true now. Things are changing. And regarding cocktail scene, not only Singapore, but yeah, most of the countries, in a way, future of cocktail is, is over there because, or maybe South America as well, because they, you, you can see now they, they have a strong game as well. Mm-hmm. But right now, we're getting innovation, I think Asia is the is the place for sure. And what do you think is driving that? I know that there's um, a, a kind of a, a growing interest in certain um, luxury spirits there. Like in Hong Kong, you're seeing they're becoming more interested in, in different rums, actually, that are kind of higher-end rums and that kind of thing, as well as, you know, other luxury spirits. Is that what's driving it, or is it just this, the spreading of the trends, or...? I think it's the Asian mindset. Like, I've got a lot of Asian friends, and their parents are, like, instilling them if you're going to do anything, you have to be the best at it. And it's just in their DNA. They just strive and strive and learn and, like, just want to expand their minds to a point where 
they blow ours. It's yeah, it's incredible. And and basically, it's a just about business. When you see how what's happened in Singapore regarding the um, tourism office or same in Hong Kong, they would say, okay, people come to visit us, they stay between one day and a half and two days. So we need a good reason. We need to be sharp regarding restaurants. No cocktail is very high. Whatever we have to do is be strong in cocktail because people will come for that. That's the same. And that's most of them because it's a city state. And that's the same for Hong Kong. You won't stay, well, you can, but most of the people, they don't stay month or weeks in, a, in one city. So you need to have something to make people feel, okay, I want to come and there is a lot to do. And because now cocktail is very trendy, That's, that's part of the game and that's how they feel and how they work in that direction, Hong Kong or Singapore. Mm-hmm. And one other thing I do want to say because we do love Vietnam, the last time we were there, they've got some really, really dedicated people that are working to lift their game, some really interesting characters in the scene and I really think they are moving up. And they're yeah. all looking in the direction of Singapore when you discuss with people from other uh, countries. So. Well, I think I, I think that you both gave me some tips when I was in Vietnam for bars to go to. And, and I was surprised, surprisingly impressed, yeah. because I had been expecting nothing, honestly. And, and there was some good stuff there. So uh, maybe not up to Singapore level, but I haven't been to Singapore since the only thing there was Tipling Club. So I can't compare at the uh, you know, at current, current level, their current level. Um, when you both visit bars... What are your personal criteria for ranking if it's a good bar or not? Do you know the number one thing for me, and even if their drinks aren't the sharpest, if someone makes me feel welcome, I feel like I'm coming home, it's hospitable, and I have a good time, for me, that is the number one criteria. But after that, to be um, to be honest, if it's not a good drink, for sure, We won't come back. You need to be average at minimum. Yeah. But the stuff we do, and for that, we unfortunately, we are two, so we can drink less. We're going to order two or four drinks, so one or two each on the menu, because just about respect, they work hard most of the time on the menu. You try the menu, say, oh, it's interesting or not, or whatever. And then all the time, we just order a simple classic to see where they stand. So most of the time, male um, order uh, a dry martini. Girl super, after my own heart. Super I dry. <laughs> <laughs> and I go um, most of the time for a, for a Manhattan. So each time is like two, three ingredients max, super classics. But you can be super disappointed or super like, oh, my God, when it's a, when it's a great sure. classic. So yeah. then you can see where it stands and what makes the difference. So when you're traveling to new cities, where do you look for ideas on which bars to visit? So I love Instagram because my real job's an art director, so I'm a very visual person, so I look at the drinks and I see what I like. But to be honest, the first thing we do is we message bartenders we know that have travelled there and we say, where should we go, in your opinion? And actually, we ask them restaurants as well because bartenders always know the best places to eat as well. Especially Nico De Soto. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Because everywhere. you mentioned him yeah. before. He's, 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 a, big, he's a big foodie. But and the, the other stuff, in fact, that's why we have um, on the blog, the last question of each interview is, where do we have to go if we need to interview someone else? So an eat button say, oh, in this city, you should go there. Is it? So we have a kind of pre-list of cities around the world with name of people and bars and we we use that and that was the point for other people if you read the blog and you're going to travel then you can have a look as well of the recommendation of different bartenders yeah i think that's a great idea um 
So now we're speaking about these bars and which ones are our favorites and ranking bars. So why don't you explain to the listeners a little bit about your your new project, which just officially launched yesterday, right? Well, actually, Sunday. by the time this airs, it will be last month. But uh, <laughs> no, so the um, the idea be, uh, behind Cocktail Connoisseur was highlight amazing people, people who do the, who do the cocktail. But uh, where we stand, even if we travel a lot, well, you can't go everywhere around, uh, around the globe. And each time we were interviewing bartenders, themselves were saying, oh, you know, there is uh, existing stuff, but we don't know how people vote and we can always see the same, the same bars. And that's true. I remember there was a symposium organized by Poor and um, the people from uh, ceremonies and awards were saying, yeah, but we have a limited amount of judges. They not pay for that. They can't go everywhere. So my background is um, in digital. I used to be the head of digital for, um, for publicists. So I thought, okay, all the industries, there is a digital transformation. Why it should be different for the bar industry? So let's think what we can do. And so, okay, let's go through data first. Big data is the stuff. So we have collected a lot of data for, for bars um, around the world. And we thought, okay, that's the was the first question. Not only always the same bar, more bars. So let's say big data, let's think, let's stop about 500, like 1,500 14, because you can't go for 1,000. It's too much, too many. And then we thought, okay, but everyone loves ranking, whatever you want to know. So we have to find a way to do that. And we have created an algorithm, which be a function like kind of a filter and all the data are treated the same. And that creates this uh, list of top 500 bars uh, from all around the world right now. So we launched the first batch for the 500 to 300 end of July, then 300 to 300 September, 200, 100 October. And last Sunday, in November, we released the um, top 100. The top mm -hmm. 100. But at the end, it was 91 cities and 46 different countries. So yeah. we tried to I noticed go it was wide very wide, yeah. To, that was the idea. That's the continuation of what we did for Cocktail Connoisseur. Highlight the more we can people, uh, people great work. And, and we've had no death threats yet, which well, is that's, fabulous. Well, I, not just fabulous for you, but good for <laughs> us to know. We don't want to lose you. Um, so, and this is something that you will do, This hap is, it will be happening annually. It's not like a list that updates on a regular basis, right? No, because the, the, um, the idea originally was to do a ceremony. So in that case, yeah, the, the, the update which, uh, should be annually. It will be, but so far to be transparent, ceremony is very expensive when you want to have people from all around the world, hundreds sure, yeah. of people. So where we are struggling right now, and we hope it's going to change for next year, is finding sponsors to be able to um, to set up a ceremony because yeah it costs a lot yeah absolutely um, so there's already some lists out there can what what differentiates this you've t you've touched on it already a little bit you know you you they're they're bigger and they're encompassing more opinions but um, is there anything else that you want to point out that maybe makes this different from other top lists bar lists well, that I've, we see out there I think there is yeah there, in fact we have uh, when we're looking for um, data we have been through all the rankings, all the awards, national, regional, international, so they're part of a ranking. I think the main difference is, in one hand, uh, they use judges, and fair enough, and to be honest, if they weren't there, we kind of the legacy, not sure our ranking would exist, so that, I think that's fair. But they all have the same issue regarding what the bartenders told us. You don't have enough people to go all around the world. So the real difference is digital means big data and deal algorithm. And let's let's be transparent as well for that. 
Of course, it's not perfect, and we know we have to improve. We will improve, like like did Google or Facebook, whatever, our uh, work for next year. But the stuff is, at least, we can try to see, see the stuff more globally than would do uh, another type of ranking because it's always based on the self- same stuff, judges. Yeah. Well, this sounds interesting because it does. It so- sounds like it's taking that into account, but also it's taking lots of other things into account. Customers, for yeah. instance. Point yeah. Of so customers, can you can you share a little bit more about what where the other sources of opinions are coming from? Sure. So we work in 20 different languages because there are sources from a lot of countries. And for instance, we're talking about customers. The idea was, okay, People, we ask two friends when they get out around the world what they do. They say, well, we use Google, we use Foursquare, that kind of platform. And then you can see there is a, um, there is a ranking. So that's how we use the point of view of customers partially through Foursquare's Google. And we use the local one. For instance, if you use Google.com and put cocktail bar in Hong Kong, you have a list of results. If you put Google HK, so Google Hong Kong in Chinese, you don't have the same result because local people, especially in Asia, they don't go to the same bar as the Western. So in that case, our point of view is we need to keep the local uh, source and not the international or global one. And after that, we have seen as well, so ask people, how do you use that? Say, oh, Google, we stay on the first page, for Square as well, no one go on the second page on the internet. So we say, okay, result will be only for the first page. People say, oh, if it's four square, under 8.5, not interested. So, okay, same. Need to be on the first page, 8.5 or above, if you want to be uh, taking, uh, taking into account. And after that, there is other criteria. When you have a lot of people saying the same stuff, like in those platforms, in digital, there is something we call wisdom of crowd. So there is kind of bonuses. It's, we are smarter than me, as the Americans said. So in that case, many people, it's better than only one, even if it's a guru. And then there is two other big criteria. So about the expertise, if um, you write uh, something on 52 Martinis regarding a bar, the algorithm says, oh, that's 52 Martinis. She knows a lot about that. She's an expert. If someone has a lifestyle blog, blogging about shoes nonstop, but she loves one of the bar, I don't know, Bizu because it's trendy uh, right now. Well, and then the algorithm say, yeah, but when Forrest says something and when this girl usually blogs about um, shoes, that's not the same expertise. So it's about the expertise and it's about the perimeter. If you have um, something about La Gazette de Montmartre, because we are not too far here in Paris, say, okay, so that's a, lo- that's a local um, paper. If you're looking for, I don't know, Drinks International or massive big stuff, say, okay, the other one is international, so that's not the same perimeter. So it's going to take that into account because it would be more difficult to access to something global than something uh, local. So that, that's that kind of stuff that the algorithm takes into account to be able to rank all the data uh, it gets. Oh, that's really interesting. And I feel like it's working because obviously I took a look at the list. And um, so I noticed number one was Clumsies, um, then was um, American Boy, American Bar, the um, Savoy, and then the Connet. Um, all great bars. Uh, I've stopped in both those hotel bars for martinis on multiple occasions. <laughs> so... Um, were there any surprises that, that you saw on the list? So can, can you give us a couple? There were so many surprises. Uh, there were bars we'd never heard of, and we actually contacted bartenders overseas going, have you heard about this place? And they actually said, oh, yeah, it's outside of Boston, and people get Ubers to go there, and it's in a mall in a Chinese restaurant. And I was like, okay, okay, so it does exist. Um, yeah, look, 
There were real surprises and as rankings came out, of course the algorithm changed. And so for a while, am I allowed to say this? Oh, I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so for a long time, the Clumsies were so far ahead of everyone else, we just went, oh, God, they're going to win. Wow, this is amazing. This is really big. But then after the 50 best and then um, articles coming out about all the bars, suddenly it became like this race at the end. Ooh, and it's it very was, exciting. It was super exciting to watch. And so we were like, oh, my God, who's going to catch up or is anybody going to catch up? And so, yeah, it was and, good. And as well, because you have the point of view of um, average population, you can see people are more on tiki bars with garnish, more sweet, more sweet cocktail compared to uh, over-ranking which are made by people from the industry because most of the time, and that's the, that's the same for us, we prefer short drinks, dry, maybe a bit bitter. Most of the people are more on the sweetness, long drinks, and you can see that at the type of bar. There's a lot of tiki bar, way more in this ranking on the top 500 than, um, than in over-ranking um, usually. So because every opinion counts, and for most of the people, they don't have the same taste as the industry. Yeah, uh, but I think that's important. I think sometimes we, uh, I lose sight of, you know, I, I'm in such a small bubble of kind of cocktail geeks and people that like these, you know, very kind of craft cocktails and classic cocktails. And, you know, I mean, there's a, there's an entire drinking population out there that's, that goes beyond just my tiny niche of, of tastes and that of many of these people who are, you know, that are running and drinking in a lot of these cocktail bars that we usually frequent. But, and that's why we always say that there is some bar they are well ranking, well, in a good place in the ranking. We're not very fan of those bar. There is bar we love. They don't have a good rank, but that that was the game. We are like anyone. We don't touch it. That's the data, and that's it. Even sometimes make us sad, but it is what it is. Well, it is what it is, and I think it's a very interesting thing. So I'm glad that it is what it is. So um, I've been told that we're getting close to the end of our time. So. Um, so I asked you to bring in the cocktail of the month. Do you want to share that with the with the listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, so we decided to do a low ABV because uh, we're always drinking a little bit too much. Uh, so we chose the bamboo, which is a really beautiful, delicate drink. Um, it's 30 mils of dry vermouth, uh, 30 mils of fina sherry, two dashes of orange bitters and two of aromatic bitters and you garnish with a lemon twist. You just put all the ingredients in a mixing glass over ice, stir until it's chilled and then strain into a chilled uh, beautiful glass and garnish with a lemon twist. That sounds very good. As I was saying to you before the show, I'm glad that you brought that one on because it's a good idea and I'm going to be making one soon. We'll so. go for one after this. Oh, but... <laughs> We might do that. Um, so thank you both for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It's not just nice because you're on the show, but it's actually nice because I get to see you. So it's, cool. it's been great. Thank great. you. Thank you very much for thank having you. us. Thank you. And that is pretty much a wrap for this month's episode. If you are looking for more cocktail and drinks talk between shows, head to the site www.52martinis.com. If you'd like to carry me around in your pocket, download our iOS app, Paris Cocktails. As always, thank you to the guests today. We will be putting links to their projects in the show notes, so go and look at those. Additional thanks to World Radio Paris for editing and production, Emily Dilling of Perry Paysan for show notes and web assistance, and don't forget she also has her own podcast, which is here on World Radio Paris, and uh, she has a blog and a book, so check those out. Thank you to Sun Little for the music that we use, and thank you to you all for listening. 
Um, as usual, we remind you to drink responsibly. And one final note, um, if you like what I'm doing here, please don't hesitate to leave a review on iTunes. Apparently, they say that's what helps other people find the show, but it also helps me because I know that I'm not just shouting into a void and somebody's listening. Until mo- next month, cheers. Start a shiver by